Hi, thanks for listening to our sermon podcast, Second on the Mount. I'm George Anderson, minister at Second Presbyterian in Roanoke, Virginia. I do not take it for granted that people sit in the pews on Sunday morning or listen to these podcasts hoping to hear something that connects them to God, to each other, to the world. And so I spend hours seeking the right word for the right time and said in the right way. I welcome your feedback. I encourage your sharing this sermon with anyone it might benefit. And I hope you'll return to this podcast again or come visit us for worship. We'd be happy to have you. Let us pray. Holy God, in Paul's words, we would like to hear a word from you for our lives today. Amen. Over Labor Day weekend, I led a retreat at the Manuka Conference Center for the good people of First Presbyterian Church of Portland, Oregon. I was pleased to be invited and had my ego boosted because this means they must have enjoyed the retreat that I led for them 17 years ago in the same place. It can't possibly be because they have a short memory. I'll tell you what also boosts a minister's ego. It's finding out that at least one person doesn't have a short memory. It is hearing someone quote you to you, something you said 17 years before. Someone who was then a mother of young children remembered me saying that children are both gift and burden, burden and gift, until the moment comes you realize the burden itself is the gift. When I said it, I was talking about one of Jesus' parables, the parable of the 11th hour worker. If you're unfamiliar with that parable, don't worry about it, because that's not the passage we'll be talking about this morning. I want you to think about that quote in relation to what Paul says in chapter 5 of Romans. Listen, and listen for the word of God. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, But we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were sinners, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, Much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Gift and burden, burden and gift, 
And then the moment comes when you realize that the burden itself is the gift. But is every burden a gift? Some seem to think so. You've heard all the examples of how suffering only makes us stronger, break down the muscles to make them strong, gain empathy from your pain, learn from your mistakes, build a higher sense of self from having persevered, gain from your pain a humble awareness of your need for God's grace. And it would seem from what I read that Paul joins this chorus. Didn't he say, give thanks for suffering? Or at least he said, I give thanks for my suffering because it gives me the gifts of endurance and a greater character and and a greater hope. But all suffering, the suffering of those who have lost children in Ukraine or the Middle East, and you know people, you may have been one of those for whom going down the all things happen for a reason rabbit trail would have been a terrible mistake. I think we can agree that there is a difference between suffering to be endured and to get over and be healed from and suffering that redeems. And I don't think that Paul would disagree. What Paul says is misunderstood, I think, if you think that he is speaking of all suffering. He isn't. He is talking about a particular kind of suffering. He is talking about suffering for the sake of others because God in Jesus suffered for the sake of him. He is talking about the suffering that comes of love. And he's thankful for that kind of suffering because that kind of suffering brings him closer to God who is that kind of love. Let's go back to my quote. Let's think more about those who bear the burden and blessing of caring for children that they love, whether they be parents or grandparents, other kind of guardians, or even this whole church, this congregation as a whole. Let's think again about what Paul says by beginning with where Paul's thinking begins. Paul's thinking begins not with his suffering, but with God. He'd have you consider this. Consider this, that you are to God both gift and burden. Burden and gift. And if you can stay with it that far, consider this. For God, the burden that is you is the gift. It is because God has that kind of love for us where even the burden of loving is a gift that Paul gives thanks for his suffering because his suffering is for the sake of others. And that suffering has aligned him with God. It has aligned him with God's grace. This being preschool Sunday, let's go back to thinking about children being burdens and gifts to consider what Paul means. Usually, a baby is welcomed into this world as sheer gift. The baby is precious before the baby learns to be precious to get its way. Children do that, you know, learn how to be precious to get their way, to get some attention, to make parents smile, to push them to do something they may not otherwise be inclined to do, such as play with them on the floor, stay up just a little bit longer, be given some extra screen time, pay for a destination wedding in Montego Bay. (laughs) 
My goodness, they grow so fast, don't they? <laughs> I read somewhere that a baby's smile is first an imitation and then becomes a tool. But rewind back before the baby learns to be precious. At the beginning, the baby is precious just by being. When the baby is first placed into someone's hands who is then told, say hello to your daughter or say hello to your nephew or grandchild. Maybe sometimes the one who receives the baby is, is overwhelmed first at first by it being a burden, overwhelmed by some sense of responsibility. I get that. That makes sense. It can be intimidating. But I know that for others, and I was one of them, when that baby was first placed in my arms, I looked at the baby's face, I counted the fingers and toes, and was filled with gratitude. The baby is simply a gift. But the baby is also a burden. I speak of burden in a general sense, not a negative one, a word that can range from normal responsibility to a terrible cross to bear. The child is also a burden, and the one who loves the child learns that soon enough. Paige isn't here, so I can pick on her. My Paige, my Otis, had a birthday this past Friday. Well, let's all celebrate her birthday together by going back to the days following her day of birth. Paige was our first, and Millie and I were faced with the intimidating responsibility of caring for and keeping alive this baby that was placed in our inexperienced care. I'm known to forget my jacket, my coat, my wallet, my keys, and one Easter Sunday, my sermon when I came out here to preach, so how can I be trusted to keep track of a baby? And fortunately, at first, we didn't have to go through this on our own. Millie's mom was here with us for a week, and then my mom was here with us for six weeks more. It was actually in Kingsport, Tennessee, but it all runs together. But the day came when mom left us alone with Paige, who never slept. And as I stood in the driveway and waved goodbye to her car as she drove away a little faster than I thought was polite, <laughs> leaving us alone with that barely sleeping, often crying child, I was crying too. There are moments when any significant responsibility, no matter how much that responsibility is love, can be a burden. And sometimes the moments just seem all to come together. They cluster up and build up. Cindy finds a stained glass lampshade shattered on the floor. And this is right after a lovely new carpet has been found ripped. And this is after mud prints are discovered on a beautiful rug and couch. It puts Cindy over the edge. And she says, that's why we can't have nice things scolding her cat. And you know, that same thing is said to a child. There is a certain amount of wear and tear, sometimes, frankly, a certain amount of destruction that comes with having children around. And I think most of you know what I mean when I say that sometimes the wear and tear is of the heart felt acutely when one's child does harm to another or to herself. And you suffer because you love. And you suffer because you won't give up. And Paul is talking about our being that kind of burden to God 
Paul is talking about the sacrifice and hurt that comes of love for the sake of another. A love that has you kidnapped because you can't escape it. That's God's kind of suffering which was revealed in Jesus' suffering. Jesus showed that while we were yet sinners, while we live in ways that harm God because we're harming others or we're harming ourselves, even while inviting what Paul says is God's wrath, God still won't quit us but suffers for us, suffers because when we do not abandon someone in their mess, we get messy too. Suffers because when you do not abandon someone in their pain, you hurt too. Paul doesn't make this point lightly. In fact, he presses it home. You heard him. Even when we're at our worst, we are the broken lamp, shredded curtain, or muddy rug. Instead of discarding us as ruined and no longer of use, God takes on the sacrifice of our restoring. Even when we are weak, Paul says, which is a way of saying that when we are such burdens that God has to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, God still won't quit us. Even when we are enemies, Paul says, even when we are actively trying to oppose what God stands for in the world, God won't quit us. That's the suffering of God's love. And it is in that context, that's where Paul's thinking begins. That's why Paul can say, I give thanks for the suffering I go through for the sake of others, because that's a love that comes from God. It's a love that is shared with God. It is a love that brings one closer to God. This suffering love teaches endurance, Paul says. God doesn't quit, so I won't quit. It grows character, Paul says, because he grows more in God's image. It gives him hope for the world because he knows that God won't quit on others because God doesn't quit on him. A side note here, some hear this passage and Paul talks about being given hope and they think that God is talking, that Paul is talking about having hope in God, having hope in the future for me, having hope that there is salvation out there, having hope that things are going to work out for me. But in this time of disturbing news at home and abroad, it's important to note what Paul is saying. Paul, in this passage, is talking about hope for the world where people can be tempted to give up. And Paul says that God healing him strengthens his hope that the glory of God will be shared with others who need healing. It gives hope for Ukraine. It gives hope for the Middle East. It gives hope for our country. It gives hope for our community. But back to the main point. Can you see that Paul is not talking about all suffering, but a particular kind of suffering? The suffering that comes of loving others in the way that God loves him, with all the sacrifices that it brings. It is the suffering that comes of the burden of following in the way of Jesus among people who do not always join you on the way, sometimes who get in the way, but who all need to find their way back to God. 
I want to close by talking about this congregation and its burdens, our burdens that are gifts. I'll just fly through some examples to warm us up for the one I really want to talk about today, which has to do with children. We have this big facility to take care of. It's a burden. But, you know, when we worship in this space, when we really do have that time with each other, connecting with each other as we connect with God, and when we see the communities and programs that happen in our rooms and hallways, it's easy to see the burden of maintaining facilities as a gift. Providing those programs as a burden, add up the effort of organizing, the work of implementation, the cost of affording it, and a good bit is asked of all of us who are part of this community. But when we see what is learned in those classrooms and the friendships that are made in the clubs and the joys and cares that are shared within the community, it becomes easy to see those burdens as gifts. Providing the outreach that we do is a burden. We're giving money and ourselves away for goodness sake. And that's right, for goodness sake. And when we see the families kept off the streets, the mentally ill receive kind treatment, children of single working parent families being tutored and systemic issues of poverty getting addressed, it becomes easy to see the burdens as gifts. And then there's our preschool. Our preschool demands a lot from this church. Facilities to house it, teachers to hire, to train, to replace, to pay, furniture and toys to maintain and clean and then replace after understandable wear and tear. There are expenses involved. Don't get me started about the outside doorway we had to knock in a wall only a few feet from an existing outside doorway so we could make a building code smile. Ask our property and preschool committees out about how complicated it was to get the new playground installed. By the way, if you hadn't seen it, it's right out that way. It is absolutely beautiful. You might even want to lie down under it because of the new cushy ground covering. But what? A gift, a blessing our preschool is. What a wonderful, glorious gift it is to provide a faith-based, nurturing environment of play and learning where children can grow in mind and body and spirit. What a gift it is to the staff to see children constantly roaming our walls. What a gift it is to have children here who feel like this place is a second home where they're safe and loved and accepted for who they are. And as Elizabeth said, there's so many churches that would love to have those burdens, which are such gifts. And you combine that preschool with all the other responsibilities I described, and I think you can see that these kinds of burdens will grow a church's heart and give it a sense of purpose. And even the suffering that comes with understanding the real hurt and harm that is out there in the world and what we do to try to address them, even though we don't have it in our power to solve them, making us suffer more as we worry, even that is a suffering that draws us closer to God. So let's not dismiss Paul because we think he's talking about all suffering. 
Let's hear him as he describes the burdens of love, the hurt that comes of love, the good that can come out of showing that love, and the intimacy with God that can come of sharing that love. And then maybe we can bow our heads and give thanks with Paul for the suffering that can help us endure and build character and give us hope for our troubled world. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.